You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with your hosts, Andy Grant and Apio Hunter. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having. But you don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel Show is produced live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern for your growth and enjoyment. Listen to us on podcast platforms including iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can also watch the show on YouTube by visiting realmenfeel.org slash YouTube. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Show your support for Real Men Feel by shopping at realmenfeel.org slash swag, by visiting digitaltipjar.com slash realmenfeel, or even text us a tip. You can show some love for Real Men Feel by texting Real Men Feel, that's all one word, to 504-226-5306. You'll receive a link back to complete your tip and choose the amount. This is a weekly program and your reviews, comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in our Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's dive into this week's show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. I'm your host, Andy Grant. Uh, my normal co-host, Abby Hunter, cannot join us today, but I'm very excited for who is joining us today. We have Mr. Jaunty Searle. He's coming direct to us from South Africa. Jaunty is a writer, podcaster, and coach dealing with conscious sexuality and sexual healing. So welcome to the show, Jaunty. Thank you, Andy. It's really cool to have this discussion with you. I love it. I love it. I love when the show gets international and, you know, the, the power of technology can bring us together. Absolutely. It's really fantastic. Cool, cool. So I know that you also do a podcast. Yes. And that's called Sex Talk? Sex Talk on a and platform called cliffcentral.com. It's an online uh, station that goes out from South Africa. Cool. How long have you been doing that? Uh, almost four years. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, and that's a week, week. Every week. Cool. Cool. And is that... Uh, do you interview people, or is it a Q&A from, from listeners, or how does that work? Ah, we do everything. Um, it's an incredibly free platform. You know, South Africa has a history of, of a lot of censorship, yeah. um, of being very repressed in a lot of ways. So it's an incredibly free platform where we have done uh, interviews on topics from, from rape and abuse, and we have an incredibly high level of rape in South Africa. Uh. Uh, to the opposite end of the spectrum of doing, we've done two live orgasms in the studio. <laughs> well, we have not gone there, so congrats on that breaking that new ground. I don't think anyone want to have that on our show, but uh, well, that's we've wild. done it. For the, yeah, because just having the freedom to do it is amazing. Yeah. All right. So you 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 mentioned South Africa and being repressive, and uh, I think certainly the rest of the world knows the history of that. But is it is it still feel that way? Is there a is there a tight society? Yeah, it's a very conservative country. Um, there's still an enormous amount of fear and guilt and shame around sexuality, even though it's, it's legally it's open. 
and we okay. have one of the one of the most forward-thinking constitutions in the world. How it's applied is very different, obviously. Hmm. Um, and it is it's a conservative society. And so is uh, this is you're you're originally from South Africa. Yes. So you grew up in this repressed society. Yeah, I grew up during the apartheid years. Yeah. You know, uh, in 1994, everything started changing here. Um, and by then, I was basically an adult. So I've seen the entire spectrum of it, which is, has been incredible to watch and be a part of. So, so was it your own personal experiences that got you in, into sexual healing and, and, and sexual teachings? Yes, uh, the basic story was that I was always fascinated by sex, like all little boys are, and little girls, let's make it clear here as well. And um, I had a grandmother who was very involved in spiritual things in a time where that was not very open here. And they kind of made sense to me. My very first career choice was going to be a rabbi. So I needed an undergrad degree for that. So I went to university to study psychology. And in the first year, of course, there's a lot of touch studies. What happens to babies that don't get hugged, adults that don't get affection. And that really fascinated me. So I went to learn a basic massage course just to explore touch more and really enjoyed it. And over the years, kept learning more and more and more. Um, I spent some time working in, in some of the complementary health fields. And about 20 years ago said, this is what I want to do. Hmm. And uh, jumped in with both feet, knowing a lot, not knowing a lot, not wanting to do it from a clinical point of view. Um, and have developed, uh, most of what I do today has been self-developed. And it's a journey that continues to expand and grow almost daily. So when you're self-developing content and workshops around sexuality, uh, it, so is it really things that you first experiment in your own relationships and then take outward? Or how does that work? Some of it. Some of it will be from, I read an enormous amount. I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of TED Talks. So I listen to things from so many different fields and see how do these principles apply to sexuality? I have a practice where I work with people with sexual and relationship problems. So some of it will come out of the, the questions that people ask. Something will come up on a workshop or retreat and we'll explore that. Um, and I guess there's a part of me that's always inspirational, that's kind of in tune with what life, the universe, spirit, whatever you want to call it. So I get a lot of inspiration from so many different things. And then we'll experiment, we'll try, we'll play and see what works, what holds water, what doesn't. So you use the term conscious sexuality. So can, can you define that for us? I don't know that I can, but it's about, uh, there are definitions of conscious sexuality. There are elements of tantric practice in it. There are elements of Taoist sexuality. There are elements of some of the ancient principles of sexuality and spirituality. I guess it's, it's the connection of, of heart and body and mind coming together to give us conscious experiences of pleasure and love. Cool. So, and the, the addition of consciousness, so it's, it's kind of the, the awareness of it as opposed to just the physical act of sex. Yeah, so most people have kind of very friction-based goal-oriented sex where the goal is orgasm. And we've done ourselves an enormous disservice in making that the goal of sex instead of the goal of sex being pleasure Great. and looking at sexual energy, the connection, the intimacy, sensuality. And I think for men particularly, orgasm has become a trap 
in a lot of ways. Uh, ex could you expand on that? What do you mean? How is that a trap? Well, firstly, it creates a space of, of performance oh. where we have to perform to make that happen. So in a sexual experience, particularly with a woman, I have to make her come. So we all have to buy into the idea of performance, which creates a level of pressure. Then there's my performance as a man. I have to get an erection. I have to maintain it for whatever length of time that is. And then because I'm focusing just on a point that I have to reach, I'm not present. So I'm not feeling the feelings, the sensations, the emotions, everything that's happening in my body, the energy that I'm experiencing. It's all about reaching that point. And then if that orgasm doesn't happen, we say that wasn't a successful experience, mm. which limits the possibilities, which limits our experience because there are so many possibilities of pleasure that have nothing to do with orgasm. Cool. And, and so I've heard of Tantra, uh, but I don't have any personal experience with it. So, but is that, that's my limited view of it. it is it's that sort of thing. It's, it's a lot of sexual activity, intimacy without orgasm. Yeah. It's, it's keeping the sexual energy in the body that we can use for health, for creativity, for connection with a partner, not just releasing it. And orgasms are wonderful. Let me say this. And I teach people to have different kinds of orgasms, but that's not all that there is. So what else is there? Well, firstly, there's this sensuality. And there's a very big difference between sex and sensuality. So if we define sex as a goal-oriented genital experience, then very often there's not a lot of presence in that. There's not a lot of connection. There's not a lot of intimacy. So sensuality involves firstly the whole of our bodies from the top of our head to the soles of our feet and everything in between, including, but not necessarily focusing on genitals. And then there's our senses, sight, sound, taste, touch, smell, feeling, sensation, all of those. But sensuality is always intimate. There's a heart element and sex doesn't always have that. So the heart brings us into presence, brings us into connection, brings us into intimacy. And the experiences that, that give us the greatest fulfillment are with that heart connection. Cool. So a sensual experience, a sensual relationship doesn't even necessarily have to have the physical act of sex. No, not always. Because if we start somewhere with an experience that's, let's say, a very beautiful foot massage for argument's sake that can be incredibly connecting it's very grounding it's very giving um, it can be incredibly relaxing for a couple that doesn't have to go anywhere other than that and we have this idea that as soon as we kind of start down that road it has to follow the pattern step one step two step three instead of saying wait a minute let's enjoy this let's feel it everything we can with this. Let's mm. sit with it. Let's be with it. Let it resonate through us. So it, it really is tying into some of the, uh, you know, I'll call them cliches of spirituality, for lack of a better word, but of, of being mindful, being present, being in the now, bringing all of those elements to, to sexual experiences. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, the mindfulness movement, um, essentially, and conscious sexuality are very much aligned. So that's, that's the term that a lot of people would understand is being mindful. 
being in the moment, being present. Um, so, so what do you think the, the biggest understanding there is right now in the world around sexuality? Well, I don't know if there's one, but it's definitely a move to, to greater heart connection, to greater spirituality, to understanding sexual energy and wanting to have deeper experiences. And by sex, no, please. People are exploring relationships and, and the sexual element of that in, in ways that they've never done before in terms of, of swinging, in terms of kink and fetish play, in terms of polyamory, different kinds of relationship. And, and sex becomes an extension of so many of these. And so we're looking for greater fulfillment and we have to include sexuality as an element of that where I think for so long it's been separate. Great. And so sexuality, does it have a, a bigger or lesser role in the different types of you know, um, homosexual or bisexual or even asexual experiences? It, yeah, I think it, it kind of comes in waves. You know, a long time ago, I was having a discussion with a psychiatrist and he said, when sex works, it's 20% of a relationship. I kind of said, mm, he's a very conservative guy. I don't know that I quite agreed with that. But his next statement had an amazing amount of truth. He said, when sex doesn't work, it's not of a relationship. And that really resonated. So regardless of your relationship, whether you're gay, whether you're bi, whether you're straight, and I work with people across the spectrum, that, that intimacy that sex brings and that sensuality brings is often the glue that really holds things together. Could you repeat the first part of, of what the psychiatrist, his second statement? I, there was a little bit of breakup. Yes. He said when sex works, it's 20% of a relationship. I didn't quite agree with that because he was a conservative guy. I don't think he knew that much about sex. But when sex doesn't work, it's 90% of a relationship. Ah. And, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, bad sex can hurt and break down and end relationships. Yeah. And yeah. I think more relationships end directly or indirectly through sexual problems than any other factor because it's the intimacy. And when we've lost that, then it becomes so hard to, uh, to talk about and deal with so many other issues and problems. Right, right. Because then... If, if there's separation between the parties, there's not a relationship anymore. There's kind of two people that can feel at war with each other or two people that feel isolated and at the whims of the rest of the universe. Yeah, that's right. So it's enormous. So you, you've mentioned sexual energy a number of times. And so is that kind of, you know, connection to source and, and life itself? Or is it something else? Or what was it? Yes, it's, it's all of that and more. So if you think, for example, the way most of us have sex is a very contractive experience. So think about it. as you get close to orgasm, your muscles get tight, the breathing gets quick, <gasps> then you have this explosion and you shout, if you have a quiet type, you just go, oh, that was nice. And that's kind of all that it is. But that becomes very localized experience. It stays in your genitals, it stays in your pelvis. Sexual energy can move and it can spread through your whole body. So you can have full body orgasms, you can have these really deep experiences, but then it's our creative force, it's our life force. So we can use that energy for, as I said earlier, for healing, for meditation, for creativity, for connection, for prayer, but then we have to keep it in our bodies. We have to be able to build it and use it and channel it. So sexual healing comes from 
raising and activating your sexual energy, but, but not releasing it? Sometimes releasing it, but not always. So it's kind of not a hard and fast rule. So I, I, I don't think any one specific philosophy or practice, for example, is right for everybody. Okay. A lot of ancient Eastern ideas are going to be difficult for us in a Western world. There's uh, generations of culture that influence who we are. So we need to look at things and how do we use them in a way that serves us best. Cool. So could you share some examples of, of, of sexual healing? Um, what, what happens? What are the benefits? What, what, what's going on for someone in, in a situation like that? Okay, so think about, firstly, the more physical problems that people experience, which for men would generally be um, the three most common are premature ejaculation, um, erection problems, and a loss or lack of libido and lack of sexual interest. For women, it's not having orgasms, not having internal orgasms, uh, painful sex, lack of libido, not feeling connected, uh, not finding their G-spot, things like that. So the people that I work with come for things like that, and also couples who are looking to reconnect with each other, looking to have better sex, people who have good relationships, and who want to learn more about sex. So one of my big soapboxes is that we don't really get education for sex and relationship, and it's one of the most important parts of life. You know, you go to school, you go to university or college, you're learning. You get a job or you work in whatever field you work in, you're learning all the time. Nobody teaches us to be good lovers. And not only the physical aspect of that, but how to communicate, how to connect, uh, a philosophy of, of love, of relationship, of intimacy. What happens when we change? What happens when our kids leave home? The tools to have fulfilled relationships. Yeah, and even, especially as, as a as a younger person, if in your teenage years, if you're trying to self-educate around sexuality, you can get in trouble and get you know, yeah. a lot of shit coming your way. Yeah. Yeah, because what do you do? You look at porn, and that's a fantasy. And then you look at what I call kind of the, the, the Disney world, for want of a better world, which is a lot of the chick flicks and a lot of the rom-coms and things like that. And they both give you an incredibly skewed view of sex and relationship. Um, do, do you see, uh, you know, the incredibly nonstop easy access to pornography as, as something that, that's harming sexuality overall, or can it, can it help as well? Yeah, it certainly can help, but you need to be very specific. You need to be very aware and you need to be very discerning. Um, sex Porn is a fantasy. It's a movie made like any other movie. So I go through phases where I watch old movies. So I've been watching kind of old uh, Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. There's Mel shooting up Los Angeles in a whole lot of ways. And that's a fantasy. Porn is the same. It's made as a fantasy. Whether the actors are enjoying it or not is irrelevant. It's For them, it's a job. That's what they chose to do. That's all. And you can argue the merits of porn, uh, you know, the rise of feminist porn, of ethical porn, all sorts of things. Um, and a lot of old, older porn stars are doing amazing educational work. But if you look at that and you look at that as a model for sex, it's not because it's not about intimacy. It's not about touch. It's not about sensuality. It's very simply genital. And that's all that it is. Right.
So it seems really important to, like, when we go to the movies, we know, you know, it's a show. It is fantasy. Yeah. But somehow, you know, um, certainly in my experience and, and guys I grew up with, you know, with when porn was your your sexual education, yeah, you thought that's how it's supposed to be. And I have to be like these people. That's it. Right. And it's so far from what it really is. Yeah. And so, it's, it so it's even more important to realize when whenever you're in – uh, engage in pornography at, at, at any level to re remind yourself that this is a show that I'm yeah. watching. I'm truly watching an act. Right? Yeah. And for a lot of people, it, it, it takes them away from intimacy because the porn is, is easy. It's immediate. Um, I can watch whatever it is that I choose in whatever way that I choose, but there's no connection in it. And in a world that is increasingly isolated in so many ways, with more people spending time with devices, having online relationships that are, are thought to be real, it takes us away from intimacy and from connection. It's easier to sit and play with myself than it is to have a conversation and engage with someone. So are the benefits of an engaging relationship worth the effort? Oh, without a doubt. Especially when it's a conscious relationship, because that's about growth. It's about exploration, exploring myself, exploring someone else, and growing together. And it challenges us. There's no question. Conscious relationships or relationships of growth are not easy. They're probably one of the hardest spaces that we can go into. But at some point, I think you make a choice in life, the kind of life that you would like to live. So do you want to kind of live a, a life where you're kind of partners and you go on one or two holidays a year and your kids go to the same kind of school that you went to and you're just propagating a lifestyle? Or do you want to grow? Do you want to explore? Do you really want to go into the depths with yourself, with someone else? And you choose that as a lifestyle and then relationship and sex becomes a part of it. I know. Yeah, I think it was... Um... I first learned of you because someone shared one of your articles in the private Real Men Feel Facebook group, and it was called Loving Men. Yes. And it was all about men missing out on touch. Yeah, we've, we've moved so far away from that. Uh, firstly, men touching other men has become so taboo and anathema for so many people. So we've lost the connection, uh, the connection of masculinity. Um, I think the role models we have as men in the world as a generalization are weak men. Mm. Our political leaders, our religious leaders, our business leaders are, are corrupt, weak people. They're not strong. Um, we become incredibly disconnected from ourselves and from each other. We don't have a, the men's movement, things like the Mankind Project and the Good Men Project, Real Men Feel. They're new in the world. And uh, we've just, we've lost our connection with our hearts as men. And if you ask a man, if you ask most men what define them, it's their genitals. It's money, it's things, it's not soul or spirit or heart. So can you define or give examples of, of loving touch? Yeah, loving touch, firstly, it comes from the heart. It doesn't necessarily have a goal. It's not about genitals or orgasm. Um, so uh, can I give an example of how to do this? Please. 
Okay, so very simple. If you connect with your heart center in the middle of your chest and you just take a couple of breaths. So what's been proven is that your heart has an electrical and energy field that you can measure more than three meters from the body. So it's a really powerful field. So if you just take a couple of breaths into your heart center and breathing out from your heart center, immediately you're starting to connect with something that's a little bit more, a little bit deeper. And then you take that feeling and you put it into your hands. And when you touch someone, you put your hands on them as an expression of that love. And whether that's just giving a foot massage, whether it's a full body massage, whether you're going to give someone an amazing sexual massage, it doesn't matter. It becomes an expression of your heart and of connection, of, of, of real intimacy. And in that, we feel nurtured, we feel loved, we feel acknowledged and seen and heard. And... Is it possible to have that level of connection with not just a romantic relationship partner, but with, with, with friends and family? Yes, absolutely. You can. And on a lot of workshops that we do, we teach that because strangers come together to have experiences. And if you can get in touch with that, it becomes more an expression of you than the person that you're sharing it with. So it it's, it's, it's really encouraging people and, and especially men to be willing to step out and honestly feel who and what they are and share that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's an experience that I developed. We call it a water flow massage. It happens in an indoor heated pool. The lights are very low. The water's body temperature. It's this really beautiful, loving experience. And people come to this on their own. So I never know until we start whether there are couples, whether there are single people, men, women, and you're not here to experience somebody's genitals. You're here to experience a human being. And what's between their legs is irrelevant. And for a lot of adult men, it becomes the first time that they have actually touched another naked man's chest. Being held by a man, there's incredible safety in that. There's incredible connection in that. It becomes a mirror for ourselves. Um, it gives us such a different sense of who we are in the world. And it breaks down so many boundaries, so many inhibitions and beliefs that we have. So, so connection rather than separation. Yeah. What, what do you think are, are the things that are most commonly in the way, keep, keeping men from being willing to touch and embrace other men? Oh, immediately it's, if I do this and it feels good, then I'm gay. And for a lot of men, that's a, a huge stigma. Interesting thing on the discussion on, on sexual labels, it's coming out more and more that there might actually not be any really straight men in the world. Um, that a lot of men are just kind of fluid on a spectrum and a lot more straight men are having sex with other men. They're not defining themselves as gay, as straight, as bi, as anything other than I'm just a human being. So there's that, there's the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment of it. Um, and the fact that it's such a strange world, I don't know what to do with this. What does it mean? That's funny. You know, um, this, this reminds me when I was, when I was a kid, when I was like, you know, 15, 16, um, I, I was confused and with, with sexuality and roles and everything. And, and I would like look to history 
and just see the Roman and the Greeks, and there was much more openness. And, uh, and, yeah. and I thought, you know, I bet, I think everyone's really by everyone, you know, and it's just what society you decide. Like the structure is self-chosen or imposed, but really, yeah, we all, you know, it's a, you know, a 60s free love thing is much more the reality. So it's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the truth of it. And in times of, of where we're looking for comfort, where we're looking for connection, we, we've put that in so much of a sexual space. Instead of saying one human being to another, one heart to another can give and receive and share love, comfort, healing in so many ways that have nothing to do with sex. So how far away or close are we to, you know, kind of most of society feeling that way and being able to express themselves and ha having open intimacy, you know, with and without sex? Yeah, I think we're far from it because I think there's this enormous polarization in society. You know, there are these groups of people exploring, learning, and having different kinds of relationships. And there's this incredible movement towards fundamentalism in so many ways, where people are holding on to these, what they so-called traditional values, um, at the expense of, of, of so much possibility. So I think we're, we're a long way from it. It's a threat to a lot of the structure of society because of the freedom that it gives people, the creativity that it gives people. And I think this is where our sexuality has enormous impact on the rest of our lives. And I call it the transformational power of sexuality. That when you free yourself sexually, you really start to look at a lot of social structures. You start to look at work structure, at economic structure, at... Um, how much you kind of bought into various systems um, instead of saying, wait a minute, what are the choices in my life? What would I choose for myself? What kind of job or work would I choose? What kind of relationship would I like to have? Um, how would I like to engage with the world, with other people? So the, the, the people that kind of cling to tradition the most and perhaps the most conservative people and aspects of society, is it, is it really a kind of really fear-based? Like it's fear of the unknown, fear of that I'll lose control? Absolutely. And a fear of if I acknowledge this, then I have to have been wrong for so long. Mm -hmm. And for so many people being right is such a huge thing. Yeah. Um, and if I live in this way, then I'm part of a community. If I choose to live in a different way, then I'm out of that community. Um, so yeah, fear is a huge, huge part of it. And expressing our sexuality, opening up to sexual healing physically and, and emotionally and energetically, you know, that, that it's, it's like the thing they're resisting and fearful of is what would heal them, allow them to move forward in so many aspects of life. Absolutely. And almost everybody who does a, a healing journey with me at some point says something in almost these exact words. It's amazing how this has nothing to do with sex and everything to do with sex. <laughs> Right, yeah, because again, if we're we're talking about um, sexuality as an expression of our very life essence and life force, it that impacts everything you're gonna think, do, have, you know, everything. Yeah, it's very much your creative force. So the more sexually creative you are, the more creative you're likely to be in life. Hmm. 
The more sensual you are, the more likely you are to engage with the world, with nature, with food, with taste, with smells, with music, with art, with so many different things, and, and become an explorer and an adventurer, and not just watch the same kind of movies, listen to the same kind of music. Um. Is, certainly without giving anybody away at all, but is, are there any sort of transformations that, that you've seen in people that just like, wow, I, I didn't, you know, the, the level of growth or the things that happened once they opened up sexual, sexuality-wise and sensuality-wise, that, that what else unfolded? Anything really surprise you? Absolutely. And I have to tell you, I see it almost weekly. Um, and it's incredible. Um, I was at an event on Saturday night that was actually a fetish party. And I looked around and I saw it was a really upmarket event. Some of the men were even in dinner jackets and bow ties. And it was a beautiful event. And I looked around, there were a couple of cross dresses there. There were some people in fetish gear. And I looked around and saw this amazing life um, that I'm able to share in with people exploring such amazing freedoms. So there was a woman there who has been doing some work with me. Um, she's in the banking field, traditionally a very conservative field. And here is this woman allowing herself to be tied up, fully dressed, just tied up in ropes in a very beautiful way. And the freedom that she found in that was incredible as a personal expression of what she had kept suppressed for so long. Hmm. And all of a sudden, there's this world open to her that was never possible before. That's wild. So I've, I've, I've never heard of um, almost, it's like fully clothed bondage. Yeah. So, so even fetishes don't have to be about sex at all. No, it was about exploring a part of herself, allowing herself to surrender to something. So um, a woman that I've been working with also in a very conservative corporate job and through the work that we've been doing over, over months has got in touch with this enormous creativity within her. It's actually getting her to the point of leaving this to start a business that she has been thinking about for over 20 years. And only by freeing her sexuality is she allowing herself to do that. So, and we, we've talked about this a little bit earlier, but to truly be in the, the sense of flow, actually it was before we started the show, talking about the, being in the flow of, of, of writing. And yeah. so that, that flow of sexual energy helps everything else that's part of your humanity to, to flow and be in motion. Absolutely. And when we get in touch with that, it connects us to, to spirit, to the universe, to even God, goddess, whatever word you choose that to be. Um, we're created with this amazing amount of nerves in our bodies that are about pleasure. And there's a clue in that. You gotta listen. <laughs> yeah, and so many people, you know, put pleasure off. Like they, they don't put their own personal pleasure as as an important thing to, to accomplish each day. No, I don't think we see the importance of it. We're not taught that. You know, we're taught that you have to live in a certain way. You have to work hard. You have to go to school. That's how you get successful. Um, and there are so many other models of life today. But pleasure, sexual pleasure is, is the fullness of pleasure of being a human being in the world. It's not only about sex. That's great. I love that. The, the pleasure of just of being a human being in the world. Hmm. Yeah. And, and how much of that will we allow ourselves? 
You know, we're taught you can't have too much pleasure and you can't have too much of a good thing. And you can't be too happy for too long because something's going to come and, and, and burst the bubble. Right, right. And we can have amazing pleasure. Yeah, they're, they're really sh there's no reason for pleasure to be limited. No, not at all. Yeah. I, I wrote something once that I, I kind of picked an arbitrary number that I said at most, I think we experience about 30% of the pleasure that we could have from a sexual point of view. And I kind of took it from the idea that we use about 10% of our brains, which is kind of more or less an accepted idea. Um, but I think of the pleasure experiences I have had, where you have full body orgasms that literally take you to other levels of consciousness. And that's when you start to think there's a whole lot more within us than we're aware of. Um, are most of your personal clients, are most of them women or is it primarily couples or, or how is that showing up for you? Uh, women, then couples, then men. You know, for men to embark on a journey of, of sexuality is incredibly challenging. Uh, for a lot of men, it, it, it starts out with them having to admit that there's something wrong, that they have a problem. Um, there's a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of embarrassment about it. Because so much male ego is in our sexual prowess. How big it is, how long it is, how long can I keep it up for? How many orgasms did I give her? Did I pound her into kind of total submission? Um, instead of understanding it's a part of life that nobody taught you about. So it's a new idea that I've been playing with because a lot of people wanted to learn how to be good lovers. And the first place that they start is the technique. I want to learn about how do I do it? How do I give the most awesome blowjob or how do I give her the best orgasm ever? And that's a part of it. There's no question. We need to learn about our bodies. We need to learn about our partner's bodies. But we need to go within. We need to connect with ourselves. We want to learn to be a good lover. Learn about your heart. Learn about your touch. Learn about your beliefs about things. Then start learning all the other stuff. So and do you see... That's a huge journey. Do you see your role primarily as a teacher? Yes. Yeah, more and more. Yeah. When, you, when you started, what did you think your role was? I had absolutely no idea. I mean, I came from this background of working a lot with sports injuries. Um, you know, I swam at quite a high level, so I knew a lot of athletes. I had an office in a gym. I was doing sports massage. I was fixing athletes and dancers and all kinds of things, but always looking at the emotional connection. And it was just something really strong inside of me. And I had no idea where the journey was going to take me. Any, any feelings as to a next step? Is there uh, are there new workshops kind of bubbling in your mind right now or? All the time, all the time. And that's what's so beautiful about it. It's this incredible expression of creativity. It needs to be because as, as teachers, as, as healers, if we are saying the same things that we did 10 years ago, I think that's an expression of, of the fact that we haven't changed, that we haven't grown. Right. right. Cool. So uh, two weeks ago, I gave a talk on, on communication in an entrepreneur's forum. That was a very different kind of space for me. But the principles of communication that I teach couples are exactly the same. So, so what, are, what are some of the, the top principles? Well, the first thing is, is understanding that we want something from a communication. If we are clear on that, it becomes easier because I can tell you what's expected of you. 
So generally, I think I've come to see we want one of six things from a communication. We want to fight. I want to vent. I want to tell you where I am with something. I've been thinking about this. I want to tell you. I want to know where you are with something. We need a solution to something. Or I don't know what it is, but I need to talk. So if I can tell you, Andy, I want to tell you where I am with something, but I don't need anything from you right now. That becomes easy because you know what's expected of you. Right. So if we go into that, we have clarity. And that kind of starts to make that a little bit easier and different. And then one of the most important things is understanding between our brain and our mouths, there's very often a gap, which means what I'm thinking and what I'm saying are not always the same thing. And between my mouth and your ears, there's this really big gap because of the internal worlds that we have. So you grew up, which city did you grow up in? Lemonster, Massachusetts. Okay. So you grew up there. There's a way of looking at things that you have that's very specific to you. Mm -hmm. If you tell me what that is, I'm going to understand it. And if I tell you what mine is, you'll understand it. But until then, often we're talking about kind of apples and oranges when we should be talking about avocados just because of those inner worlds. Right. So when we can have a way to kind of check that the gap between my brain and my mouth has lessened and that you are really hearing what I'm saying, that's when we can start communicating. Now, do most people have the clarity of their knowing their own perspective? No, it's, it's something that we need to learn. Because gotcha. again, we're not taught to communicate. Right. So it's something that we need to, we learn it by practicing it, by doing it. So we've talked a lot about what we aren't taught. So I wonder what your take on what do you, what are we taught? Like what, what is society and school, what are we told to be as human beings? Well, I think sexually we're told kind of what's expected of us in a certain way which means every woman has to have orgasms and every woman has to have orgasms often from kind of sheer pounding penetration, which is kind of the porn model and nipples are like the dials on a radio and you're looking for that, um, that men have to have orgasms, um, that we are going to find one person who's going to be our everything, that we are going to have a level of, of job security, which I think our world has shown is, um, become quite an illusion. Um, the fact that once I've got you, that's all I need to do, and you're going to be the same for the next 30, 40, 50 years, um, which is, is totally erroneous. It's totally untrue. So, so he hearing all that, it feels like we're, we're all taught to be static, but, yes. we're real, we're, but we actually live in a world that never stops changing. Yeah. And we're not taught that. We're not taught the tools to deal with it. And that's the most important thing. So we're taught that you need a label, you need a box. Um, you know, I grew up in a Jewish community which said the expectation is that by whatever age it was, everybody in that community was going to be married. They were going to have two point whatever kids and a Jack Russell. And this is the life that they were going to live. Were you ever on that trajectory? Uh, for a very short time, a very short time. And, and for any amount of that time, did it feel right? Did it feel good ever? Yeah, it did feel right. Um, 
it always felt limiting, but it did feel right. Right. And it was a long time ago. Yeah. I think, and, and, and think to, to me personally, like that was part of the, uh, the, the attraction or, oh yeah, this is right. Because, hmm. you know, some confinement can, can feel comforting that, that illusion of safety. Well, that's it. It gives you a sense of safety. It gives you a sense of belonging, but you find out that it is an illusion. And as soon as you choose to express who you really are, if it's different to that, the safety crumbles very quickly because the judgment is based on the fact that you have to conform to those community norms and standards. So it sounds like you have a lot of different workshops and, and events. Are they, are they all South Africa or do you, do you go on tour or how, how does that well, work? I would love to teach overseas um, and travel more. And that's certainly my intention that I'm working towards. Um, at the moment, uh, we teach some beautiful workshops, a retreat in a, a neighboring country called uh, Mozambique. that has some of the most beautiful beaches in the world um, with wild dolphins swimming. Um, but I would love to teach and share around the world. And where exactly are you located in South Africa? I'm in Johannesburg. Johannesburg. Okay, great. So the biggest city in South Africa. Yeah. Cool. A vibrant city, people here from all over the world. And do, do you have a lot of uh, you know, in, international um, clientele? Have, are, is, is word of you spreading out or is it? It's starting to more and more, yeah. yeah. Especially like on the Mozambique retreats, we get people coming from overseas. Cool. How, how often do those happen? Uh, about three times a year. Oh, nice. And are, are most of, are your events an evening, a weekend, a week, or run the whole gamut? Uh, they're all different. Some hours will come up three or four days. Uh, some will even be a little bit longer. And some full day or full weekend. Nice. So we try nice. and do different things, make it accessible to people in lots of ways. And some are quite short. You learn something, you go home, you practice it, you play with it. Come back, learn more. That, that's the, the great way to live all of life. <laughs> Absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. So, so what you're, and uh, we haven't talked about this at all yet, but um, as I said, I, I discovered you through, through your writings. And before the show, we, you, the way you write is, uh, it, it feels like as I read it, it's a mix of, of poetry and, and prose and information and knowledge and, I, I really have emotional experiences reading your work. Thank you. And, and is that sort of feedback you hear often? Is, is that yes. your intention? Yeah. No, it's, it, it, the writing comes through me. It's very inspired. So I'll sit with an idea. Um, something will pop up into my head. Sometimes I can sit with it for weeks. Sometimes it'll be there and it needs to come out and I need to sit down and write it now. It often... I might think about something and when I write it, it goes somewhere very, very different to what I thought. Um, it's quite rare that I actually edit because it really does come through me rather than from me. That's this beautiful creative process. I mean, some articles are very information based. Somebody will say, will you, will you write an article about, uh, for example, Yoni massage. So Yoni is the tantric word for a pussy, a vagina, means sacred space, sacred place. So somebody will write and say, will you write about that? And that's kind of quite an information-based article. Mm -hmm. But everything else very much just comes through me. So it's very connected. Um, and I love that. It's, it's a really important part of my personal expression. 
So while we're talking about this, let's make it clear to everyone. Um, wh where can people read your material and learn about your workshops? Um, our, my website is www.eroslife.co.za. Uh, the uh, sex talk show is on cliffcentral.com. We have years of podcasts. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, Eros Life SA, with a whole lot of, of videos up. Uh, YouTube is becoming really difficult. Oh, um, and how so is that? The levels of censorship are, oh. are becoming quite chronic. Um, so we are going to start exploring other platforms for that. Gotcha. Well, cool. And, and uh, uh, I'll be sure if now we're on the Good Men Project. That's right. Excellent. Go. Excellent. Yeah. I, uh, so I, I'm in. I'm an editor with the Good Men Project, and uh, the first time I read the the, the that Loving Men article um, from Jonti, I was like, like, wow! All right, I want this on the site, and I want this guy on the show, and I want to move to South Africa and learn more. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that. I'd love to come to New York to share more with you. Yeah, no, we'll get you. You get, if you get a That's... U.S. tour going, I'll do whatever I can, and I'll be there for sure. Um, That's right. And wherever anyone's listening to this, we'll have visit realmenfield.org slash blog, and we'll have links to all of the, the different ways to, to, to find Jaunty and to track down and, and experience your work and learn more. Thank you. And I really appreciate this opportunity because it's important um, because I think so many people live with so much internal pain, with so much fear, um, with so much guilt about who they are, um, the shame, the embarrassment about their real selves. And that's not only sexual, but in terms of, of who they really are. And, and it's impacted on men enormously. Right. You know, the expectation of who we have to be as men and as women and the lives that we live, the, the kind of parents we are, instead of we can have and create lives that are incredibly powerful and beautiful, that can really make a difference in our world. Amen. And, uh, for me, that's really the bigger picture. Is there any sort of um, commonalities or, or something you see more often than not that that takes a man um, to step out of the pain and be willing to, to look for to look for help? Yeah, the interesting thing is is often it has to be an experience of incredibly deep pain. It has to be something like a relationship that ends, um, parts of a life that collapse, jobs that end, um, and when we hit some kind of crisis more than anything else, that becomes a trigger instead of it being more of a conscious choice. And I think for a lot of people, it does become a choice. It kind of grows slowly. You know, you get dissatisfied with something and you kind of put it aside and it becomes a little bit whisper and the whisper becomes a little bit louder. And then eventually something shouts at you and says, Hey, you've got to change. You've got to do something. And it takes that. But more and more people, I think, are, are opening to the possibility of that. And that's why platforms like this are so important, because they make the possibilities accessible to people. Cool. What's your, do you have kind of a, an ideal vision for what does society or what do, what do relationships look like in, in the not-too-distant future, hopefully? Um, hmm. Andy, that's an interesting question. Well, um, I don't know that I have an ideal vision because it's changing at the moment, I think, all the time. But I think it's, it's, it's having connections with people 
that are very conscious with an intention where we're really sharing our hearts. And for some people that's going to be for a lifetime and for other people, it's going to be for a short time. Um, and the extension of that is to actually be able to create communities where people are sharing and supporting each other on these journeys. And it's happening in little pockets of the world. Um, you know, the, the conscious sexual communities, the tantric communities, um, the men's communities are growing. And again, it's making it more, more possible for people. And I think the key is just greater awareness and consciousness. And being willing to be ourselves, to be brave enough to be ourselves. Yeah. And it takes courage to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I really stress that. Like, yeah, how, you know, for, for someone to, to, to walk through your door for the first time, for someone to show up and be willing to get into your pool for the, the, for the water massage. Yeah. In, incredible bravery. It does. It takes for any person, it takes enormous courage. Um, but it comes down to who are we as humans? What kind of life do we choose to live? That if we're this connected part of the universe, there is so much within us to explore and to share. And the bigger picture is, is really changing our world through the relationships that we create. You know, if you want to teach your kids something, teach them how to have a really good connected relationship. Mm. There was a, a study done, I think it was through Harvard, for the longest running study on happiness in the world, a 75 year long study. So the head of whatever department this was, obviously over 75 years, there were different heads. Each one carried the study on. And one of the most important elements of happiness was good relationships. That came above money, came above health, good relationships. Yep. Yep. And so, I, I actually, uh, I took a positive psychology program with, with the Harvard professor that created the Harvard's most popular class ever, which was all about how to, how to be happy. Yeah. And, you know, and, and some of the work in that, um, there was this great line. I, I, don't know who to properly attribute this to, but relationships are personal growth machines. Yeah. Yeah. And too often when that personal growth time comes, people today are like, oh, well, that must be the end of the relationship. So as soon as it's uncomfortable, that means this is over. Not, oh, good. Here's, here's the good stuff. Now, now this difficulty, now these challenges are showing up and we can go through this together, become closer, more intimate and, and both expand and grow. But too often it's like, oh, this, this must mean we need a divorce. Yeah. And if we look at other aspects of life, like think about for most people, business, for example, business goes through different times, through difficult times. When that happens, you get consultants in or you go and learn how to get through your business difficulties. You don't just walk out or close the doors. Why don't we do the same thing with relationships? Our health goes through different things, through different times. We need to learn to eat differently, to exercise differently. Why don't we do the same thing? Because at the end of the day, there's a great line. I think the original song was by Nat King Cole, and I could be wrong on this, that the greatest gift is to love and to be loved in return. And if we can focus on that, we do things differently. Yep. Indeed. So for me, I think more and more it gets to like a lot of the sexuality and the sensuality is just a vehicle for this bigger picture. Um, 
and it just becomes kind of a doorway into so much more. Right. So, so it really is that being open-hearted all the time and being yes. ha having the courage to, to share that, be that open, to, to yeah. realize that loving people doesn't mean having sex with them. No. And men loving men doesn't mean you're gay. It just, it means you're human. Yeah. And if you want to have sex with him, make it awesome. <laughs> and then make it the fullness of your sexual expression. Right. With men, with women, with whips and chains and whatever else it is that you want, with jello or I don't know, whatever else it is that you want. But just make it amazing and make it beautiful and powerful and exciting and creative. And then awesome. you kind of have sex kind of because you should once or twice a week and then roll over and go to sleep. Yeah. And it's not just about having an orgasm. No, that's one of the biggest traps. But again, orgasms are wonderful. And you can have so many and so many different kinds. But it's not all. Yeah. So pleasure comes in lots of different varieties and flavors. Yes. Cool. And that's the beauty and that's the power. Um, in that consciousness, we learn that, that happiness and love are, are an expression of the self. It's not about somebody else. It's not about how much sex I might be having. It's not about how good my relationship might be. All of that is an extension of myself. And I think our world very much teaches us we've got to look for these things outside mm -hmm. instead of it's within me. Right. Yeah, so the, the best relationships and the best of sensuality and sexuality is really an inner exploration more than most people think of it. Much, much more. So here's the thing. If you want to change the way that you have sex, it's really simple. Take the focus off your partner and put it on you in terms of sensation alone. So if you're kissing somebody, think about their mouth, but think about your mouth feeling their mouth. Think about tasting them. Think about the feel of their teeth, their tongue. But think about it from your perspective. And immediately it becomes this amazingly different journey. And you become much more connected. And in terms of whatever a better kisser might be, immediately you'll be a better kisser. <laughs> and it's one of the things, you know, in, in one of the most popular workshops that we do is called the ultimate blowjob. And every woman wants to learn, how do I give an awesome blowjob? And this is what we teach. Turn it around. Never mind the techniques. You'll, you'll learn a lot of the techniques on the workshop. But think about yourself in that. Make it an act of pleasuring power for you. How does this penis feel in your mouth? The heat, the strength, the, the smell, the taste, everything. Turn it inwards. And it becomes an incredible experience of giving. And immediately, everything about that changes. Awesome. Awesome. So hopefully people are taking from this um, little bits of courage, little bits of things to try new in their own experience and, and to step out into the brave unknown, the scary unknown, but uh, break free of that. Because we all uh, have some... Conservative, conservative aspect about something in us. 
even if you think the most wide open, liberal, crazy, anything goes person, there's, there's something that you're not really that way in or could be more open in. Yeah. And it's not about going to have multiple relationships and all sorts of things. It's about connecting with your heart and expressing that in whatever way is the most authentic expression for you. Beautiful. If that's with multiple partners, fantastic. If it's with people from same gender, different, it doesn't matter. It's about being authentic for yourself. It's not what you have to do. Right. So it's not what you're taught, not what you're trained, not what society, not what media, not what the fantasy realm say, what, what feels true in your own heart. And how do you express that in the world, in pleasure, in whatever way that is? Cool. Without fear, without guilt, without shame, without embarrassment. Just this beautiful exploration of you in the world. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that feels like a very positive, calming, empowering uh, a place to, to just let that, that, let that sit. Let this, let this be the end. Yeah. So I very much look forward to the Jaunty World Tour. And uh, I, I will do all I can to help create such a space in the world. Um, all, all of your works uh, fascinates me. And the, all, like, I, I love personal transformation and growth and personal growth and all the different aspects that people find that. Um, and achieving it through sexuality is not something I have a lot of experience with. And so I, I just find this very intriguing. I hope everyone that's listening feels the same way. And, you know, um, check out the Sex Talk podcast and visit eroslife.co.za um, yes. to stay in touch and to read all of your great stuff. And also on the Good Men Project and, again, at realmenfeel.org, we'll have links. Uh, we'll, I'll, I'll definitely link to the specific article that I first read that, that just um, touched me so, so deeply. And it was like, this is a, a different voice. This is, coming, this is not a man that I've talked to yet. Um, that's what really struck me the most and again i and i could feel the bravery courage and heart and i feel that in everything you write i i really um yeah you've got you have lots of gifts and i love that you're expressing them thank you and thank you for the opportunity to share it really touches me thanks andy awesome so wherever you are um enjoy some deeper more sensual more open-hearted time with yourself or others <laughs> in whatever way that unfolds for you and, and here's to pleasure. Here's to pleasure. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Until next week, visit realmenfeel.org or the Real Men Feel Facebook group and share what you thought of this episode. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Show us some love by visiting realmenfeel.org slash swag or digitaltipjar.com slash realmenfeel. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com and Apio Hunter at apiohunter.com. <laughs>